0: Well, now, could we turn in our Bibles uh, to another passage? Um, This passage is. Oh, the children like to go for their Sunday school class at this point. So, Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read from verse 13. is on page uh, 977 in the church bibles. So page 977 Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And it's that last verse we're going to be particularly thinking about this morning. So I'd encourage you to keep your Bible open, because we will be looking down at it from time to time. So keep your Bible open. And uh, let's pray now and ask God to help us as we consider his word. Lord God... Thank you so much for this opportunity that we have this morning to hear from you and to learn from your word. Thank you for each person who has come to this meeting and for any who may be listening online as well. Thank you that each one is a precious soul and those who have who have been saved, that they are sheep who are loved by you and for whom the eternal Son of God gave his blood. Lord, please feed your sheep this morning. Please do good to my brothers and sisters. And any who came into this room not sheep, we pray that you might bring them to yourself, cause them to be born again, that they might become your sheep, and that they might know you as their shepherd. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is a somewhat unusual service, because the uh, for me, at least, it's the first Sunday of the new church year. Um, obviously, I've been away the last two weeks, so I'm a bit late. <laughs> Some of you started your term. But I think the church year does tend to follow, in a sense, the school year, doesn't it? At least that's what in my mind, it often does. So so we, we are now at a new church year, and uh, I am hoping um, in... Uh, we've obviously got two, two unusual services next two weeks with the conference this next weekend and then uh, Richard speaking the weekend after. But then I'm hoping um, during this autumn to do a, a series from Genesis chapter 1. And just bear that in mind and perhaps you might want to think of inviting some friends. Because we are up against it, aren't we? We've got this, I'm sure everybody's heard of culture wars now. We all know what happens if you dare to suggest that a woman is only somebody who's been born female. Or if you dare to suggest that that uh, only a biological man and only a biological woman should get married. The, the hostility which can be provoked, people are losing their jobs, aren't they? And what's going on? Well, as I hope to show you, we're in the The clash of the titans. The clash between the biblical view of the world and the pagan view of the world. And it's really coming home to roost now. So I want to be looking at Genesis chapter 1 because Genesis chapter 1 lays the foundations for the Christian view of the world. So that's the plan, God willing, uh, to do a a series of, of topical talks from... Based on Genesis chapter 1 and dealing with different issues. But today, I thought that it would be good to try to to, to speak from this verse that I read, the last verse that I read this morning. Uh, I tell you, you are Peter. Jesus speaking. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This verse teaches us that Jesus is going to build his church. And he will be successful. His church will grow and his church will triumph. It will face all sorts of opposition from the world and from all the power of Satan himself who will do everything he can to try to destroy it. But Satan will not be able to. Jesus will build his church and the gates of Hades will not be able to overcome it. Why did I choose this verse? Well, because, of course, we are living at the moment in challenging times here in this country, and it's not just this country. Think of Christians in Pakistan, and the threat that they are under. Some of you might have seen on the news, this mob went crazy in some particular village and torched about 25 churches, and about... And about um, forty-five homes of believers. What have they done? Nothing at all. But and, and, and the authorities seem just stood by and just let it happen for hour after hour after hour. It's it's not easy to be a Christian, is it? Think of our friends in northern Nigeria. Just this just last Sunday, some tribesmen came into into a village and just mowed down ten Christians. It's not easy, is it? And it's easy to get discouraged. think, oh, the world's getting worse and worse, going from bad to worse. But Jesus says, On the rock of faith, he will build his church. He will. And the gates of Hades will not be able to prevail against it. So if you are a true Christian, I hope that what we're thinking about this morning will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith and uh, put a spring in your step and say, yes, I'm going to pray for the kingdom of God to come. I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to live a holy life. We're on the winning side. Jesus is triumphant. And you're going to want to give your all to serve in the Lord. And whatever, however long you've got left on this world. Six months, a year, 20 years. However long you've got. You're going to want to use it all for the Lord. But also I hope that if, there's, if there are any among us who are not yet believers. The Lord might use this to speak to you. And help you to see that you need to come to Jesus. And you need to trust him to be your savior so uh, i think seems to me there are six mini topics as it were which we can uh, we can um, draw out from this verse which i will deal with this morning first of all i want us to think about when it says jesus says church what does he mean by that it's a very misunderstood term so i want to just just try and explain the word church a bit and then i want us to consider to whom the church belongs. Jesus says, I will build my church. The church is Jesus' church. And then I want us to consider what does it mean when Jesus says, I will build my church. What does that mean to build the church to be built? But how it and we'll see how the church grows numerically and also grows in terms of its quality, in terms of its its knowledge of God. And then to consider who will be doing the building. Who is doing the building? He answers Jesus says, I will build my church. He uses us, yes, but it's Jesus who's in charge. And then To think the foundation that church is built upon. It's built upon the rock of faith. On this rock of confession of Jesus as the son of God. I will build my church, says Jesus. And then finally to consider the impossibility of this work being stopped in its tracks. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it so let's think about this first of all then let's start off then with what is the church when Jesus says I he says on this rock I will build my church what is this church now uh, you might have heard me say if you've been here before uh, for, for a few years you might have heard me say this but I I think it bears repeating that we who live in the English-speaking world, we have a, a, a real problem often with properly understanding this word church because of all the associations that the word church has got. We tend to think of a church as one of two things. Either a church is some sort of big human organization with lots of money, lots of power and sort of like a pyramid structure we think of it like you know, you've know you got the people at the bottom and then you've got the priests and then you've got the bishops and then you've got the cardinals and then right at the top you've got the pope and you've got this massive, massive very powerful organisation well that doesn't sound very attractive to me I don't like big organisations so that, that's a big put off for a lot of people you say why, do they, why? Why? Why is people? Why is the Bible so keen on the church? If because they, they, they think they think you think you're talking about that, or they think ah, uh, church is a building. So you are know, well, and and they say, well, what's so special about a building? I'm quite right too. Build a building is just a building, but. In fact, when the Bible uses the word church it doesn't mean some big human organization nor does it mean a building. What it means is a collection of people. But it's a very special collection of people. It's the people of God. The people who have been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, who've been saved from their sins, and who are on their way to everlasting glory. In the presence of God. Now, uh, just to give you um, uh, example of, of, of what this the word church actually means in Acts chapter nineteen, um, uh, the there is an account there of a a great riot which took took place. And uh, uh, when that was, and and and, 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 um, were, and the word that's actually used to describe the assembly, the gathering of all those people who were there, is is the word assembly. It's translated assembly, but that's the same word that is translated. Uh, church in other places ecclesia so that's what that 's what it means. It means an assembly, a gathering of people now it's it's used in the Bible. This word is used in two ways. sometimes it's used to describe an assembly or a gathering in a particular place. So, for example, in Revelation chapter two and chapter three, you will see that Jesus dictated a number of letters that were to be sent to the, if you like, the pastor, the me- what's called the messenger in those situations, of different churches in different places. And um, and and, he's, and with each one, it says at the beginning, "To the angel of the church in wherever." So, Revelation two verse one to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? And so on. So the word church can mean a local assembly. So you could say, well, this is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Poplar. But then also the word church can be used to describe all of the people of God in all time. So that's the sense in which we had it in that reading we had from Ephesians 5. Remember? Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. What is that? That's the whole assembly of all of the people of God. Now it's in that sense here of the uni- what we call the universal church, the worldwide church that Jesus is talking here. On this rock, I will build my church this whole assembly of all his people he will build his church now it's important for us to understand that he's talking about the universal church here because sometimes we can get a bit confused or perhaps discouraged we say well my church isn't great very much the church I'm part of it seems to be getting smaller you might say or it seems to be about the same as it always been for the last 20 years. Has Jesus' words failed? No. Some churches close. In those letters that Jesus wrote to the, to the churches in, in, um, in, 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 that are recorded in the book of Revelation, Jesus actually threatened them and said, if you, don't, if you don't sort yourselves out effectively, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. I'm going to close you down. So individual churches they rise and they fall, some get bigger, some get smaller. And churches in like in in nations go through periods of blessing, like this this, our country is known times of revival, about hundred and fifty years ago, when the church grew really strong, and times of declension like we've had in the last hundred years or so. These things happen but overall Jesus is building his church that's the important part his universal church he is building it so that's the, that's the meaning of the word church now let's i want now just to consider the next thing to whom the church belongs so Jesus says if you look down at that verse again Matthew Matthew uh, 16 And verse 18, Jesus says, I will build my church, my church. This is his church, his assembly of the people of God. And there's a jealous love there. This is my church. This is the bride of Christ. My church. My special people. These are the sheep whom the Father gave to the Son before the foundation of the earth. These are the precious ones for whom he came and he laid down his life. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. These are the ones. This is the church. This is the assembly about which the apostle Paul says something very remarkable in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Uh, Paul says speaking to uh, the elders of the church at Ephesus he says be careful pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock all the church of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained by his own blood. Church of God obtained by the blood of God. Well God doesn't have blood. No, not in not God the Father, but God the Son came and He poured out His blood and purchased this special people. And what do you find at the end of the Bible? You go to Revelation chapter twenty one. What do you find? What's the goal of human history? Where are we heading towards? If you listen to what some people say, we're just heading for uh, annihilation. They say, oh, we're just going to get burned up and it's just the world's just going to end. No, 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 no. The whole of human history is heading towards the new heavens and the new earth. And what will be the centrepiece of the new heavens and new earth? The church. The bride of Christ. Revelation twenty one verse one Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. That's the that's the church. The new Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And then Chapter goes on to describe the dimensions and the happiness, the blessedness of this beloved church. Now here's, here's something which should affect all of us who are believers. Do you love Jesus? If you're a Christian, surely you would say, of course I love Jesus. Jesus is my saviour. Jesus died for my sins. I'm so grateful to him for, for saving me. You love Jesus? Or do you love his bride? Surely if you love Jesus, you'll love his bride. How can you love the husband without loving the wife? But there are some who say, oh, I'm a Christian, but well, I don't like the church. I, you know, I might attend some, a service sometimes, but I, I don't like Christians. What? How can you not love the beloved bride of Christ? Surely we must. And so, surely we should say, I want to give my all. To help the church to grow, I want to give my all to show my. I want to show my love for Jesus by loving His people. And you can't love all Christians in the whole world; it's impossible. And that's why the Lord has placed us into local churches. And yet, there are some people who say, "Well, yeah, I'm a Christian," but they never meet with Lord's people. Well, very rarely. And if they do meet at all, they just sort of come in quickly or late and then zap off at the end, not never have anything to do with, with never, never talk to anybody and and go away and never come and come come back a week later or a few weeks later. Is that love for the Lord's people? And surely also if we if 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 we get this, that this is, the Lord's, this, is, this is the Lord's church, surely we should be very careful not to harm the church. You know, it's, you can do, as a member of a church, you can do an awful lot of harm very quickly if you're not careful. Just a bit of gossip, a bit of slander, a bit of moaning, a bit of grumbling. You can wreck a church in in just days if you're not careful. We've got to be so careful. And the Lord doesn't like it when that happens. Look at what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to the church and the Lord struck them down. Look at what happened to those people who were who were mistreating the Lord's Supper and, and, and um and, and, and having lack of love for, for other Christians uh, for the Lord's church in, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says that this is why some of you have been ill, and that's why some of you have fallen asleep. in other words, you've died early, because of your wrong attitude towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. So we need to uh, as Christians, we need to cherish. Uh, the Lord's church and, and all we can to help it to flourish now the next thing to see what does it mean let's think consider now what it means for the church to be built Jesus says on this rock I will build my church what does that mean he says I will build my church well i think it means we can see from scripture it means growth in number and also growth in the knowledge of god and obedience to god so growth in number that's that's described for example in the early books letters of, of the early chapters of the book of acts uh, Acts two forty one, day of Pentecost three thousand people were added to the church. Chapter four verse four uh, but many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of, the, of men came to about five thousand. Chapter six verse seven uh, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Chapter nine, verse thirty-one. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So there's this multiplication going on, the growth. Jesus builds the church in terms of numbers. More and more and more people are being added into the church. But also in terms of understanding of God and obedience to Him. Uh, so, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, The Apostle says, I'll read from verse 19, So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together, into a dwelling place but for, the, for God by the Spirit. And chapter 4 talks about that in more detail um, about how as we, as we as believers do our, our job he says and, and encourage each other um, he says that uh, uh, what, what God gives teachers to the church to prepare God's people for works of service so the church might be built up. So verse 12, these these teachers are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children, immature So that it builds itself up in love. So this is growth in terms of quality. Knowing God properly. And obeying him. So that's the growth. Now then who is doing the building? Well Jesus tells us doesn't he? He says on this rock I will build my church it is Jesus who is building his church is that the answer is that the full answer well not quite because it's Jesus who built his church but does he just do it like from heaven to zapping people from heaven and they, they, they all suddenly get converted and they all suddenly grow into maturity and it all just happens automatically from heaven. No, of course not. Jesus builds his church using people. He didn't have to do that, he's quite capable of just doing it automatically, directly. But he's chosen to glorify himself by using sinful and weak people like you and me to build his church, and so he he's recruited us, as it were, into the task of building the church. And now this comes out very clearly in one Corinthians and chapter three, where Paul is talking about his own role and the role of um, some other people who were working with him in Corinth when they went to Corinth and uh, he says because the people had been making the mistake of putting too much emphasis on different personalities Paul says no look I'm nobody I'm just just a servant of Christ Paulus who worked with me He's just a nobody as well. But we are used by the Lord. So 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5, he says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos waters, watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For now, listen to this. We are God's fellow workers. God's fellow workers. So, Jesus will build his church, yes. But as you and I do our bit to help the church to grow, we are working with him. We are fellow workers. Isn't that amazing? What the Almighty, you know, your partnership, you Almighty God, and little you and little me, <laughs> as a team. But that's the way God's chosen to work—to have His people as His fellow workers. Now that means that you and I have got a job to do. If you're a Christian, you've got a job to do. You've got a task to do, to help the church to grow. Of course, there are those who are particularly set aside and gifted for that work. Evangelists go out and preach the gospel to to the unconverted. Pastors feed and care for those who are converted and and help them to grow and and prepare them for for their ministry. But it's not just the, as it were the professionals that the Lord uses. Every single member of the church is involved in this task. Every single true Christian is involved in this task or should be. Some go into retirement prematurely But you know, in the book of Revelation it says about those who've died. Blessed are they who rest from their labor. (laughs) Retirement for the Christian is when we die. That's when we rest from our labor. But while we've got breath, while we're still alive on earth, we're to labor for the Lord with whatever strength he gives us. What can we do? Well, we can live holy lives. That's really key. If you don't live a holy life, you are you could really seriously damage the church, as I mentioned already. You can be at meetings of the church, say, well, what, what good does that do? I'm just sitting there. No. You're doing a tremendous amount of good, literally by just simply turning up and being there. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday, Monday prayer meeting—you literally just turn up. You've done an amazing thing, and, I, and and of course the devil knows this because he does has everything to try to stop us doing that doesn't he? But it's a really valuable thing. Uh, we can contribute to the growth of the church by praying. For brothers and sisters and for praying for the lost. We can contribute to the church, to the growth of the church, by giving. I don't talk about it very often, but, but it is important to give as Christians. And, and there are means whereby you can give to this church if you feel led to do so. And it's important we do so. So that the work of the gospel can go forward, not just here, but in other places. We can help the church to grow by building each other up, as that passage I just read in Ephesians says that as we speak the truth to each other, we build each other up, we help each other to grow. We can help the church to grow by telling our friends about Christ. You might not be a preacher, but you can say to your fellow student or to your work colleague, I'm a Christian Jesus has saved me Jesus has changed my life I'm going to go to heaven you need to be saved by Jesus because if you don't get saved by Jesus you'll go to hell anybody can say that you don't have to be a great evangelist to say those things do you but the Lord can use that okay so let's go on then and consider the basis upon which the church is built. Jesus says, uh, "On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it." Now, this—what is this rock? On this rock, Jesus says, "I will build my." This is the foundation. Rock. What is that rock? Now this is where we need to deal with an error which has come into a a large number of people who call themselves Christians. Whether they really are truly born again is, is a moot point. Many of them may not be truly born again. But there are those who would call themselves Christians who follow the teaching of Roman Catholicism. And you might know that the official teaching of Roman Catholicism is that when Jesus says, I will build my church on this rock, I will build my church. He says, ah, you see, there's Peter. It's on the rock of Peter. And Jesus will build his church on the, on, the, on the person of Peter. And the church is built upon the foundation of a man. And then, and Peter was the first pope, so the Catholic Church says. And then, they go down to the next pope, and the next pope, and the next pope. So it's all built on the foundation of the pope so you 've got to be part of the Catholic Church to be in the church at all, and you 've got to do what the Pope says if you 're going to be saved is that is that is that what Jesus is saying here no of course not and when you read the context it's clear because what has Peter just done? he has just confessed Jesus as the Christ the Son of God look back um, to um, uh, Verse 15. Jesus says to them, who do you say I am? Simon Peter's answers. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon bar for this flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. So the rock is not a man. The rock is confession of Christ as the Son of God. And so this tells us that if you want to be part of the church, you have to believe Jesus is the eternal Son of God see, there are our Muslim friends who say, oh yeah, I, I honor Jesus as a prophet. But, so you say, oh, so you you accept him as the eternal son of God to you and you worship him. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I honor him. I respect him, but I don't worship him. And you talk to a liberal, suppose a so-called liberal Christian, you say, oh, who, who doesn't really believe the Bible, doesn't really believe in miracles, doesn't believe... And you say to this liberal Christian, you say, so-called Christian, you say, so do you worship Jesus? Oh, no. Oh, no. He's, a, he's, a great, he's a great example. Don't worship him. But if you're going to truly be part, you can't be part of the church without, without in your heart believing that Jesus really is the Son of God. Have you not seen that yet? Well, Ask God to show you. Read your Bible. Keep on coming to the meetings of the church here. And ask God to show you that Jesus really is his son who died on the cross and was raised again. is now living in, at his right hand in glory. And he's the only way of salvation. So you must believe in him. But we see also from this that for the church to be healthy, it must stay on this foundation. You see, what happens so often, what you see happen again and again, is that churches drift from the truth about Jesus. There are, if you go on a tour of, of, of East London, you, you can or you go on your, get on your bike or your car, you go round, you'll find all sorts of massive chapels which were once great centres of the gospel. Some of them are community centers now. Some of them are mosques. Some of them are shops. What's happened? What happened? Because those places departed from the gospel. And so we must hold to the truth. The devil will do everything he can to try to move us from the truth. And we've got to be on our guard. And we need to constantly proclaim Christ. Now then, come to my last point, which is no power in heaven on earth can stop the growth of the church. Look again at this, this verse. Jesus says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, there's two ways you can go with that. You can either say, oh well, this means that hell is attacking the church and it won't succeed. Or you can see it as the church is attacking hell or Hades and hell can't stop it. Now I think from the context and from other things I've read it's the second that we should interpret. here is Hades with all of its prisoners Hades is the place of the dead where, where unbelieving dead people go to be tormented and there's a sense in which unbelievers are already in Hades they're locked up in this dungeon with the The devil is the jailer. And it's all closed up, barred and bolted. But when God says, Live to that individual, he or she will live. And the devil can't stop it. That person will come alive, he'll come out of the dungeon. He'll come into the light and be saved. No power in heaven or on earth can stop it from happening. Why must this be so? It must be so because almighty God has decreed that all his chosen ones will be saved. God has commanded it. It will happen. It must happen. Because it's been decreed. Moreover, Jesus, the, the, the eternal son of God, came and died for each one of his sheep. They've been purchased by his blood. They cannot be condemned because he's purchased them with his blood. Moreover, he has been raised from the dead in order to show that the father accepts that sacrifice. And then now he is at the father's right hand and he is permanently interceding for his sheep. No one can pluck them out of his hand because they are safe in his hand and they are safe in the hand of the father and the father and Jesus are one. And from heaven the, the Son has poured out the Holy Spirit to bring life to those who are dead. And he will come again for his, his church. And so we see then Jesus will be successful. His kingdom will triumph. His church will grow until every single one of his sheep have been gathered in. What effect should this have upon us? Well, we who believe, we should be cheerful. <laughs> I'm a naturally, I have to say, I'm a naturally melancholic personality. That's just, just the way, some people are naturally cheerful and some people are naturally melancholic. I have to say to people, come on, Henry, cheer up, buck <laughs> You're on the winning side. Jesus is triumphant. He's the king. He's the Lord. He will build his church. The gates of Hades will not prevail. Yes, there might be discouragements, There might be difficulties. might be challenges, problems. But he will build his church. Be glad. And if you're a Christian, I would say to you, Throw yourself into this great enterprise. Meet with the Lord's people. Pray. Live a holy life. Evangelize. Encourage your brothers and sisters. Hey, this is the great task of, this, of, 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 of our world. This is the great enterprise. Much better than building up a business. Much more worthwhile than, than building some wonderful house for yourself. The church. Be involved in the building of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ which will never be destroyed and I say to anybody who's not yet a Christian look you need to repent you need to come to Christ because if you are not part of this church part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ you are on your way to hell and whatever you're living for in this life is quite frankly a waste of time Because it's going to get burnt up and destroyed. Along with you in hell. But it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus died on the cross for sinners. No matter how bad you've been. You might have been an atheist. You might have been completely unreligious. It doesn't matter a tuppence. Come to Christ. And you'll be saved. So the message for you is Jesus is king. His kingdom will triumph. So get right with him quickly. Well, we're going to sing our final hymn now, and that is number 495, Rejoice, the Lord is King, 495.